Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast. This podcast is for any woman looking to prepare for a peaceful home birth by taking her thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. On this episode, I had my friend Audrey on the show. She's a pastor's wife, mom to her children and foster babies, runner, birth keeper, authentic midwife, you know, all the things. <laughs> you can expect this episode to go deep and talk about some real and raw things that can make or break your birth. She shares her story about being dropped from care because of a breech baby and how she had the mental fortitude to birth her baby the way she wanted to. We go into important things to think about when inviting your children into your birth space, honoring God as our first go-to with decisions, complete ownership over your birth, how your man can and should protect you during labor, and so much more. Before we hop into the show, I do want to chat to the woman for a second out there listening who has had a traumatic birth. So are you someone who is still haunted by the memories of a traumatic birth experience? Do you find yourself overwhelmed, fearful, and plagued by racing thoughts whenever you think about it? Well, my dear listeners, I understand the pain and the distress that unresolved birth trauma can bring. But fear not, because today I have something truly special to share with you. I'm introducing the four-week birth trauma intensive, your path to peace and confidence. Imagine a world where you could leave behind the shadows of your past and step into a brighter, more confident future. That world is within your reach, and I'm here to guide you to it. You can expect weekly group calls. You're going to join a supportive community of individuals who understand what you're going through. You can share your experiences, ask questions, receive guidance. This is going to be an exclusive community setting. So you'll have complete access to a safe private space where you can connect, learn, and heal together with others who have walked a similar path. There will be transformative healing. This program is designed to guide you from feeling overwhelmed and fearful to a place of peace and empowerment. And you'll be provided with the tools and the techniques to process your trauma and find strength to move forward. There will be unwavering support so you do not feel alone and a confidence booster. You need to regain your confidence to take control of your emotions and your thoughts to prepare for your peaceful birth. Now, all of this is available to you just for $249, the entire four-week program. But here's the catch, my dear friends. There are only 15 spots available for this October session. And believe me, they are filling up fast. Don't miss this extraordinary opportunity to finally address and resolve your birth trauma. So what are you waiting for? Take the first step towards healing, peace, and confidence. Click the link in the show notes for more information and to reserve your place in this exclusive birth trauma intensive. It's time to leave behind the pain of the past and embrace the promise of the future. Join me for the four-week birth trauma intensive and transform your life today. All right, friends, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, where your journey to a joyful and empowered birth experience begins. I'm your host, 
Allie McLean, a registered nurse, home birth coach, devoted wife, and proud mother to four incredible kiddos. I've walked the path from trauma to triumph, and I'm here to guide you every step of the way. At the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, we're more than just a show. We're a community of dreamers, believers, and fearless mothers-to-be. If you're seeking to reclaim your birth story, to transform fear into confidence, and to embrace the beauty of home birth, you found your tribe. My own transformative journey began with a traumatic C-section, propelling me on a quest to uncover the power of home birth. And now I'm on a mission to help you rise above your past, prevent needless C-sections, and stand firmly in the certainty of your dream birth. As a devoted follower of Jesus, I believe that His divine design for birth is inherently good. It is a reflection of His love, strength, and grace. If the dream of home birth has been planted on your heart, know that it's there for a purpose, and I'm here to stand with you as you pursue it wholeheartedly. In a world filled with racing thoughts and doubts, I'm your guide to taking those thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, and replacing them with the liberating truth. Together, we'll navigate the challenges that lie ahead, finding not only freedom, but also unbridled joy on your path to motherhood. This podcast is a haven for the woman who has faced the darkness of a traumatic birth and has questioned whether home birth is within her reach. Here we shatter those doubts. Join us for illuminating interviews with remarkable birth workers who share our reverence for the sanctity and splendor of birth. Listen to inspiring women as they recount their triumphant birth stories, each a testament to the strength that resides within you. So whether you're just starting to explore the world of home birth or you're already on this radiant journey, the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast is your sanctuary, your wellspring of knowledge, and your unwavering support system. Get ready to be inspired, to be empowered, and to embark on a path that leads you to the birth you've always dreamed of. It's time to experience the Holy Spirit's power, to embrace the beauty of birth, and to create a legacy of love and strength. Are you ready to transform your birth experience? Let's dive in. Hi, Audrey. Thanks for coming on the show today. I'm so excited to talk to you, hear about your stories. And then we have some really cool topics that we're going to dive into today, um, mostly because I haven't really dived in deep to precipitous births and um So I'm just really excited to talk more about that mental fortitude that comes with planning birth. Uh, But before we get into that, would you explain just a little bit who you are and what you do? Yes, I'd love to. I'm so grateful to be on here. So thank you for having me. I'm excited for this conversation as well. Um, So I'm Audrey. I am a birth keeper, authentic midwife. They're pretty much synonymous. Um, I also do a lot of coaching and consulting around birth. And primarily, I'm a wife and a mother. So I have three biological children of my own. And then we also do foster care. So we have two children that are pretty much permanent in our home. And we've had others come and go. So my home typically has a lot of children in it. And I really have dedicated my time and my life to both my family and to birth work because I care so passionately about women having births that leave them empowered and ready to be the mothers that they want to be instead of abused and trying to pick up the pieces. Oh yeah. It makes a big difference for sure. And we'll definitely get into that, but I'm really curious what got you so into birth and into 
authentic midwifery. What, what was the start of that? Yeah. Like always, it's like a progression for most people. Um, I actually grew up with a mom who was a doula. So birth was always in my life and in my family. And we had conversations around the dinner table about so-and-so's birth. And my mom would come home and talk about it. And so that was very normal. Um, but just the progression of my own births, I started out working with um, midwives for my my first baby. And I was dropped at 36 weeks because my baby was breech. And so I had to scramble to try to figure that out. And what ended up happening is that I went to the hospital and I declined everything. And it was really like birth and war because I had to be so on my game to decline every single thing. And I delivered her vaginally. It was actually a beautiful birth for the most part. There were things that I definitely didn't like um, that I can see. In fact, the more you learn about birth, the more you see the layers from your previous births, most likely. That's what I see with so many women I work with and for myself. But that started my passion for birth. And I knew I'm not doing that again. And so my second birth was at home. And everything that showed up afterwards with that birth, the things that I didn't like were all the parts where the midwives, they're actually definitely midwives, where they were present at the birth. And it was a very fast birth, so they barely made it. But the parts they were there for stand out as being not things that I liked. And so with my third baby, I had a free birth. And it was everything I wanted it to be. It was absolutely amazing. It was the most empowering thing I've ever done. And that, I mean, that was just my catalyst. Like, yes, more of this. And like, women need to know they can do this. And I want to be the person that I was looking for when I went through that process. At that time, I didn't. I didn't have any support. I remember looking online and like being like, is there a doula who would like show up if I thought I wanted something and I couldn't find anybody and nobody had this perspective that I had, like there were doulas, but they were like, not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know about the term birth keeper at the time. Like I had no idea there were these midwives that were actually going back to what original midwives were and, and, and scrapping all of their involvement, involvement with the system. So um, I found out about that afterwards. And so I really desire to be that for women that when they're looking for that advice, that support, that person to be present, even at their birth, that I can be that person. Yeah, it is so important. That community aspect and just the support as you travel through that journey of pregnancy mm -hmm. and birth, man, it is, it's irreplaceable. It's really an important thing. So I love that. I mean, all of our journeys really can lead us up to like most midwives and most doulas have a background story yeah. of, and yeah. a lot of them are start with trauma, but I love how yours started with your mom. And yeah. that just makes me think, I mean, I'm a doula. And so I talk about birth all the time or on these podcasts, I'll come and be like, oh yeah, I talked to a mom who had like a four hour birth or a breech birth. And we have conversations and my daughters are uh, seven, four and two. And then I just had a son. And so the impact, I love hearing that it impacted you hearing those stories and having it normalized. And then your how I found you was through a reel that went viral. <laughs> Do you want to <laughs> talk about that a little bit and what that was like? Yeah, there's a reel out there if you haven't seen it. Um, when my my free birth baby, my third baby was born, my daughter who was seven at the time, almost eight, um, 
she is just, she's do, she's taking the video. So the whole plan all along was that she was going to do video. I wasn't going to have anybody take pictures. I didn't want anybody messing up my space. And so um, she's taking all the video and the pictures. And so she's holding the camera and, and filming me as I've just caught my baby boy. And I'm still kind of like in this trance, just focused on him. Like, is he okay? Does he have all those parts? Like trying to come back into my body. And she is just bawling. And she's like, you did it, mommy, you did it. And just the most emotional, beautiful response. You were so strong. You were, I mean, she just goes on and on. And what's interesting is that I don't even remember that mm -hmm. from the moment. Like, I didn't know that happened until I saw the video back because I was so all focused on my new baby, which is the way every mother should be. Mm -hmm. It's also funny, though, I get lots of, if you scroll through the comments, there are lots of people that are like, that mama should acknowledge her daughter. I have oh a my. lot. Of yeah. Yeah. They don't know anything about birth. So it's fine. no, obviously not. I mean, yeah. I remember just after the, my last birth five months ago, I had him and looking back at video, which is kind of fun to have. It's fun yeah. to have the birth yeah. photography in the video just because, you know, it helps you connect some dots nice. that you don't remember. But yeah. I remember um, my husband being like, it's a boy. Like after the three girls, he's like, it's a boy. And then my mom was there taking video and she's like, oh, what a sweet baby boy. What a sweet baby boy. And I have a separate video of me looking and I'm like, oh, she's a boy. Like I had no idea anybody had announced anything. I was in the moment. I was yep. looking at him, talking to him. Everything else around me was not existent. Yep. It's gone. Yep. That's exactly the way it should be. Yep. I love that. Yeah. I had no idea. In fact, it was such a fun discovery as I'm like, you finally get to the point where you start looking back through your videos while you're like nursing your newborn and being like, oh my goodness, like this is a gem. This is yeah. so amazing. So she was so impacted by it. Um, it was I amazing. She's, How she, she just wants to be a midwife. She's like, oh. surely I'm going to all the births with you, mom. Right. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's kind of up to the mom and probably not, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is just so precious. So what are some common objections you've been hearing besides that you should acknowledge your daughter, but do you hear common objections about children being at birth? Well, within the community that like you and I are in with yeah. women having their babies at home, no, but in the outside world, oh my goodness. Yes. I mean, my in-laws are horrified. Like mm. how dare I have these sweet, innocent children watching a baby emerge from their mother's most private parts. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. You, I mean, you get it, right? Yeah. Like it's just bogus, but um, yeah, there, there are people that think it's, it's crazy. And it, it's really funny. I like to, um, I'm probably revealing too much. Who knows who will listen to this, but occasionally I'll put like some content for my birthing page onto my other page, just because I want people, I want it to be normalized. I'm like, look, like this can happen. And no, and like everybody's scared to like it. Like nobody, everybody's scared of it. They're like, I don't know what to do with this content. That's so they so do funny. nothing, Yeah, <laughs> which, is, which is just really funny where then I can post like a video right afterwards. It's of my cute little son, like, you know, talking and walking around uh, and everybody loves it. But I really just think that there's a discomfort with birth and what, with that natural process. And like, people don't know that it's, just safe and okay and this is a normal thing and there's nothing to be scared of or hidden or yes it's totally sacred but it's also like the most normal thing in the world um so I refuse to to participate in that thinking but yeah, yeah I, I do feel that especially from 
family and friends that are in a very different, you know, perspective in life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I remember thinking with my first home birth, cause I had had a C-section with my first, I was like, do I want her here with me, you know, while I'm doing this? And I just kept going back to, you know, she is going to be going through this hopefully one day, right? She yeah. will be having a baby and I want her to know that it is normal. It is beautiful. And mm-hmm. as women, we are capable, like we are more than capable of having a baby and doing it well. Um, and so, but I, I put a lot of preparation into that first time. And so oh, yeah. was there anything that you did to help prepare yeah. your kids? Yeah, we did so much preparation. Um, I actually found this great book at the library that was, it was just like an anatomy book. So it just kind of went, it wasn't teaching specifically birth, but it just kind of was like showing it, it still was like, it, it showed, you know, a male's anatomy and a female's anatomy. And then it shows, you know, the baby and all these stages. So we just started actually from the beginning because I just started getting questions from my, from my son, who is my question boy of like, well, okay. He's kind of funny forever. They've known that like a sperm and an egg have to come together mm-hmm. to make a baby. But he was just like, but where does the sperm come from? I'm like, good question. But then like, well, it comes from the father. And so he's like, that's not doing it. You're going to have to tell me more. So <laughs> we just like, and actually I, I would really encourage parents to start talking about these things mm-hmm. early because sexual education is happening everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get to your kids first, somebody else is. Oh, totally. It's just the way it is because our world is saturated with it. So there was no weirdness about it. It was like, okay, look at this. Like, let's look at these diagrams. Like here's a woman and here's a man. Look at how they were made. God made them to perfectly fit together. So it's only made for marriage. This is sacred. This is how it happens. So we explained it. So then it was like, okay, we can stop asking those questions. So we just talked through the whole process. And then once they knew how the baby went in, it made perfect sense that that's the same way the baby came out. Mm-hmm. up to that point it's a very confusing thing to girls and boys because most little girls don't know they have a vagina they don't mm-hmm. I didn't like mm-hmm. I didn't know there was something else hiding up in there until mm-hmm. I got older like it's just a very hidden part of our bodies and little boys have no idea I remember my husband being like yeah I, I was pretty sure like I didn't really know what hole babies came out of but I thought there was only two holes right like yeah like he didn't figure that out till he was an older you know child as well so I feel like once they understood that it was like well of course of course. And like, and then it becomes so sacred. Like this is made for procreation. This is made for children. Like this is such an amazing part of our body. And so they think it's so cool and so amazing. And so they talk about it. And so then we can talk about anything. We can talk about, you know, like now my cycle has come back. We can talk about that. It's not weird. And then we always talk about how our bodies have like practice runs. And so when a girl starts puberty, her body starts to practice for someday, someday she can have, she'll be able to have a baby. And so they know that all of this happens and without like birth being in the picture, like how would I bring up all these topics? It would almost mm-hmm. be strange. And then parents kind of like stutter and stammer and like, how are we going to teach our kids about this? And I'm like, we're just doing it. Like it's so natural and normal. And then we watched lots of birth videos. Of course, kids love birth videos. You know this. I'm oh, sure yeah. your kids adore them. Yeah. Obsessed. They can't get enough of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're literally like, hey, mom, can we snuggle? This is the way they lure me in because I'm like, we're not doing screens. And they're like, can we snuggle and watch birth videos? And like, I'm <laughs> right. So like, they're like, we know what mom likes. So surely she'll let us do it. 
and I do. Um, but they love it. They're not scared of it at all. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's that is so so cool. I had a thought and then I lost it. But so let's go back to okay. the beginning. So yes, you that had that. No, I love that. I, actually, one of the most common questions I get is like, should I have my kid there? Or if I want to have my kid, how do I provide or like prepare them? So I love that we hit on that because I think that is one of the most common questions. Um, Somebody having a home birth. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say when so, so much, like it's so common in our culture to hide what birth is, right? Uh, only what a kid is seeing is a mom's belly getting bigger Mm -hmm. she goes to a hospital and then a baby comes and there's this disconnect they have no idea what happened in between that time and so that's why I just love home birth is so educational and it's so like it prepares you so well for the future So I love that kids can be involved. Now it's not for everybody. I can say I have seen plenty of births that that I've attended where a mom has their child come in and labor totally putters out. Like it's just gone. And so there is kind of like this wisdom and this balance and this support sometimes that is needed. And so it's really a personalized thing for Mm -hmm. each family. Do you have anything to add to that? I would just completely agree with that because there's not a, like you should, or you shouldn't. It's like, you totally can, like you can do anything. You can have anybody at your birth. And like you're saying, as especially as a laboring mom, you don't actually know what's going to feel good in the moment until you're in the moment. Totally. And as a support person, sometimes the mom can't, can't voice that, but you can notice like we need, let's, let's get these people out and, or these children out or whatever it is. Um, or a mom will be like, I need you to, you need to get out. <laughs> like I fully, I told my kids, like I may yell at you and tell you to leave. So if I do, I get to do that and that's mm-hmm. fine. And I didn't do that, but they were fully prepared that I might be like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. And they would have, and they would have known like, mommy still loves you. Mm-hmm. This is why she's doing that. Like they understood all of that. So, yeah. um, and there are mom, there are, I mean, every woman is different. So different personalities feel better with more people there. Other people are very, they like introverted and they, mm-hmm. they just really want to be in the dark, mostly by themselves. So yeah. I just agree. Yeah. With what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. No, that's so good. Okay. So let's kind of switch gears to this mental fortitude. This is something that was so interesting to me with my first home birth, mostly because my first birth experience, I was 100% traumatized. I had not prepared at all, given all authority to a doctor, and it didn't go well. So um, we are very similar in our message. I just love finding somebody who like understands (laughs) how important mental preparation is going into birth. So do you want to talk a little bit about why this is important to you and what it is. Oh my goodness. It's, it is everything. It really is everything. Um, okay. So why do I care about it? I care about it because first of all, I'm an endurance runner. And so I've been running for, what did I figure it up? It was like 22 years that I have been competing in races, anything from a 5k to ultra marathons, which are like beyond a marathon distance. So it could be like 30, 50 miles. And I have worked so hard to train my mind in that. And I've actually worked harder to train my mind than I have to train my body, right? Like running happens. Your body, the more you do it, your body just acclimates and you keep doing it. 
and there's really there's really nothing to it except for your the peace of your mind mm -hmm. and i have always known in every single race like if there was a point where i struggled if there was a point where like there's i think two or three races where i totally quit for different reasons but it all had to do with my mind and so going into my first birth i did realize that like this is my this is my mind and when I showed up at the hospital, knowing I was going to be fighting everybody, it was like, I, my, my mind is going to be stronger than yours. My determination, my resolve, all of that will be stronger than yours. And I know that it is. And I, and I already like carried that with me because I was like, I have done hard things. I have, I have gone through things so many times where I wanted to quit and chose not to. And it's slightly different in birth, but it's actually not that different. And I feel like sometimes we're setting women up for failure, especially new moms, when we're just like, you know, you're just going to go through the flow mm -hmm. and the baby emerges, right? Mm -hmm. Because it actually is difficult. And yes, there is pain-free birth. And I think that that mm -hmm. is available to any woman. And I have not achieved that, but I have come closer. And so I, I can see where that is, but that's also the mind, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. that also is the mind. So if we're not getting that piece, then I, I just feel like we're really, yeah, we're setting women up for failure. Like you just said with your first birth. Yeah. 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 I had no idea. I mean, I was very much go with the flow, but I think that comes in when you have the end goal of, well, I can go with the flow because somebody else is in charge, you yeah. know, and it's this authority thing that we get so caught up on, like, well, my doctor knows best or they have seen it all so I can trust them. And it's where we decide to put our trust that I've seen a lot of people just not even work on their mind. They're just like, I mean, I'm going to go with the flow, go to the hospital, get, you know, see what happens. I don't, yeah. most of the women I talk to don't want an epidural until right. they want an epidural. They're like, I would like to see how long I can go. And it's like, well, we got to prepare a little bit for that. Yeah. At, exactly right. They don't go into it planning that way. No, but they also haven't, they don't have this deep resolve that no, they will not be getting an epidural. Right. And I think and a lot of times women don't know it's a possibility. I know for me, I was like, I for sure do not want a C-section. What I didn't realize is there's a lot that happens beforehand, even in pregnancy that really can set you up for that C-section. And so, man, I've learned so much when it comes to that. And my first home birth was so set on this mental fortitude. So if you're talking to a mom, what is like the first step that you give her when you're, when she realizes my mind is powerful, but I have no idea how to control it. I have no idea how to use this for my benefit. What would you tell her? So I'm actually creating an entire course, which I'm pulling it up while I'm talking to you because it'll help me bring my mind um, back to it. Um, I'm creating a whole course for women to go through because I feel like there's so much there. Um, but one of the first things that I feel like really matters is talking about responsibility. Um, can I read a little? A yeah, little go for it. For you? Okay. Um, mothers have been given the responsibility of birth. No one else can truly birth your baby for you. Yes, a surgeon can cut it out of you, but that isn't true by physiological birth. Many women have a subconscious belief that their doctor, midwife, or doula is responsible for their birth. They're expecting them to somehow carry them through the struggle. 
Then they find themselves in the throes of labor and realize no one else can do this for them. It can feel startling and terrifying to realize this. A woman who is prepared for the weight of this responsibility will not be thrown by this reality. Now, if you do choose to have someone attend your birth, they are responsible to you, but not for you. They are responsible to not mess up your birth, but they surely cannot give birth for you. Be prepared to take full ownership of your pregnancy and birth. Don't farm out decisions in pregnancy or you will find yourself doing the same thing in labor. Let the full weight of the, res of the responsibility of a new life growing inside of you rest fully on you. Feel its weight. It's yours to carry as a mother. You are made to do this. Um, I just feel like there's, there's a weightiness to motherhood and a responsibility that needs to be felt that women don't want to feel because they have told themselves they are inadequate mm. and they're not. Mm -hmm. God gave them this child because they are the mother for this child. They, they are the best mother for this child. They're, they're mm -hmm. the chosen mother for this child. Mm -hmm. And so out of their inadequacy, that feeling of inadequacy, they start giving away all of their responsibility in their pregnancy. And then they somehow expect they're going to like hold it together in birth. No, they're completely fragmented themselves. How could they? Um, so that's, that's really a big piece because everything else can kind of fall underneath that. Oh yeah. Oh that. yeah. And it carries you into motherhood, doesn't it? Because it when does. you don't have the responsibility or when you don't realize the radical responsibility you'll possess during pregnancy and, and labor and postpartum, it's really easy to abdicate that responsibility as a mother to your doctor, to your baby's doctor, you know, to the system. It's a very, very natural. And so that's why I think it's birth is so important to us because we realize that the end goal like is radical responsibility throughout our whole life because it protects our children. It, it protects does. us because yeah. we answer to God and that's it. Thank you. We answer to God and that's yes. it. Now, yes. I'm literally, I'm memorizing this verse um, this week, Galatians. Uh, now I got to read it because I'm supposed to have it memorized, but I don't have it yet. Um, <laughs> it's working on it. You're yeah. For, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. We are not oh here gosh. to be man. It's yeah. Galatians 1.10. Yeah. We're not here to be seeking man's approval. This is about God. So we need to get pretty right between us and God and then let the weight of the responsibility that he has given us rest on us, knowing that he is carrying it with us. Like it's not, it, we're not doing that alone, right? Yeah. He, he equips us. He has yeah. called us to be this child's mother. Therefore he equips us with everything we need. Yeah. And science proves that. And that's where like, I really nerd out because being a nurse, I love science. I love biology. I yeah. love, you know, looking into all of that. And I can just see how God in the beginning, when he was creating Adam and Eve, he like so perfectly set up the brain and set up the systems in our body to work for our benefit and for our good. And when I start realizing that, I'm like, oh my gosh, God, you were so good. And these dreams, these visions that you've given me for birth, for um, this child, for motherhood, like they're good and they're from you. And so show me how to do that, how to live that out. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. A hundred percent. And he will, he will be he so will. thankful to do that. If we will seek him on that. Um, I, 
whew, okay, this is like totally kind of going down another topic, but I have this perspective that um, God is not honored when our first, when our first line of like, oh, I need help is to always go to a doctor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think about the New Testament where people are prayed for and they're just healed like right away. And then what I see in the church, my husband is a pastor, is that people come to the elders to have them pray for them after they have like exhausted all of their resources. Mm. And I just feel like God is like, you got it in the wrong order. Like Mm. I was here. I was ready. I heal. I am the healer. You got it in the wrong order. And I feel like it's the same thing with birth. These women are like, well, but I got, I got to check with my doctor first. I got to do that. And like, no, you no, you actually need to check with God first. That's what you need to do. Um, that's our first, that's, that's the first place we go. Yeah. Should go. And so yeah. often it's not. Yeah. That's so good. One of my big things when helping women kind of walk through this process, many women I talk to like, are like, oh, I would love to have a home birth, but I just can't. And it's like, well, why can't you like, what is keeping yeah. you back from that? And I think it is this order thing. I think it's more of like our culture has it set up where this is normalized. You go to the doctor as soon as you find out you're pregnant, right? But what I always tell women is like, the hospital is still there. It never (laughs) goes away. But when you birth at home, you always have the availability or the option to go to a hospital. If you choose a hospital, you don't really have the option of going home. Like you kind of get really, really sucked into that. And it's so much harder to leave. So if it's an options thing, you know, and and maybe this is for somebody out there listening to this now, if you are racking your brain and you're like, I don't know what to do. Do I birth in a hospital or do I birth at home? I would say, and Audrey, let me know if you would agree with this, but ask the Lord first, where should I go? And he will reveal to you, but also know that you always have the option of going to a hospital. Yes. Yes. I totally agree. That is, that is always there. That's yeah. always there. It's not going away. Yeah. Yeah. And once you, you said it well, like once you go there, like you're pretty much stuck. Oh yeah. Like, obviously you're not, you're not, you, you can, you can walk out uh, and it causes a lot of issues and you may have CPS called on you and, yes. and, and, and uh, it's just gets messy. Yeah. Really fast. Yeah. It's not, it's not an easy thing to break free from. And as yeah. you know, so kind of going back to your first birth with your breech baby. I am really curious. What are the things you fought for? How was that experience? I don't think there's most women really realize that the problems come like when you push back on the system, right? If you go in, I hear people say, oh, I had the best birth in the hospital. It's because you obeyed. It's because you said, okay, and you were a good patient. I tried to do that too. I was like, oh yeah, do a cervical check, please. Like, you know, if you want to, please do it. You know, I want to be a good patient because being a nurse, I loved good patients. Like my mindset was there. I wanted them to obey what I said, take the medicines I said when I wanted them to and the way I wanted them to, you know, and that's something that I was so stuck in. So I know, I know what it's like from firsthand experience. And I, and I understand as a patient, I was there too. And it's so easy to be like that. So how did you know to fight for certain things? And then what did that look like? What did you get pushback? 
Um, okay. Well, so I have to preface it. My mom had had four breech babies and I had had sisters who had breech babies. So breech babies are a thing in our family. So I was not shocked by this. It was not a scary thing for me. All my mom's babies were vaginal and I myself was breached. I was like, okay, it's a breech baby. I was actually shocked that the midwives had dropped me. I was like, are you kidding? Like what? That was totally kind of shook me. And so I spent like two weeks in there calling midwives in all the surrounding states to see if they would take me and if I could go, like we could travel and do like a you know destination birth. And in all of those conversations, time and time again, they were like, no, but you're the best case scenario. No, but you're the best case scenario. Because I explained, you know, baby's positioning and everything. And um, so I just kind of had that like instilled in me, like this, you're fine, you're fine. And I, I knew that I was fine. I wasn't scared at all. Not, not even a little bit, which is kind of crazy. It's an interesting thing to me when I talk with women, they're like, oh, like, the big fear is like my baby's going to be breached. I'm like, no, it's fine. It's totally fine. So um, my, we actually had planned to go to Portland because Portland was starting to do some um, breach birth. They were like teaching it again. I don't know if they still are. This is now like nine years ago, but at the time they were and my water broke. We were in Boise. My water broke before we were there. So I went to my midwives and they checked me and they said, you're at a six, like you're not going to Portland. And so my, my midwife who had dropped me, I mean, she was still a very lovely woman, but because of her license, she, she couldn't be there. Um, she just looked at me and she was like, they can't make you do anything you don't want to do. Wow. And I was like, point taken, like I'm a rebel, bring it. So, um, we, I labored for as long as I could, like outside of, like, I didn't go in right away. We went and bought all the food I wanted because we were planning on taking it all in. I went home and took a shower. Like we did all this stuff and then finally got there. And my mom was also, she arrived a little bit later. She was my doula. And this midwife actually showed up just to be present and as support. Um, But she actually called the hospital ahead of time and said, like, prepare yourself. This mom is coming in and she's going to decline the C-section. And... So the doctor came and talked to me and she was like very adamant and like, you're killing your baby. And like, do you understand this? And, and I was like, yes, I understand this willing to do that. That's fine. Like, I really just was like, no, I'm fine. Like, I don't, I, I hear you, but that's not the case. Like I hear you. And so once she realized like I wasn't going to budge, she, they brought me paperwork that I signed and that basically said, I'm killing my baby. Like here I am willingly killing my baby. And then this is the interesting part. Her tone totally changed. She came back in the room and she said, so actually I have done breach delivery. I learned how to do it in my early years back in practicing somewhere else. She's like, I haven't done it in years, but I, but I did learn how to do breach delivery. Not that you need anybody to deliver, deliver your baby, but in a hospital model you do. Mm -hmm. um, and so she kind of like set me up on this criteria. Like we want you to progress this far. Once you're fully dilated, I don't want you to push for about 45 minutes. And so I was like, in my mind, I was like, like, I'm, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to do everything I can to progress this. They wanted to strap me down. I just left the premises. So like, I wasn't even there. So I would say like, just don't follow rules. Like, I don't know how to be more blunt. Like, just don't like stop thinking 
that they have some sort of hold on you. Like I literally just left the hospital and walked around outside on the grounds. Like I took all the stuff off of me and I just left. And there wasn't anything that they could do. Like they can't actually go and physically grab me and bring me back in. They can't. So once I got to a place where like, I couldn't be walking around anymore, I came back in the room. Um, but I, I really think that I, my resolve was just so strong to begin with. Oh, and some other parts. I, I refused to put on their gown. That kind of pissed them off. But I wore a skirt for the very purpose that I wasn't going to wear what they had on. And I refused to have any IVs. I refused to have anything put on me other than that little bracelet. So even like when they were like, we, we want you to wear these monitors and you can walk around the halls. And I was like, I'm taking these off and I'm going outside. So you can remove things. You can say no to anything. The moment you're hooked up to an IV is the moment you're getting something you don't want. All of these things are building to an end, which is most likely a C-section or more intervention than you want. So I just literally said no to everything. The only thing I agreed to is they said, when it actually comes to pushing, we want you to move to the operating room. And I was like, fine, I will do that. So at being fully dilated, then they were like, don't push, don't push, breathe through contractions for like 45 minutes. And then I had to like climb off of this bed and climb up on this like metal, like slab for operating. There's 18 other people in the room. They're all like ready to cut me open if something goes wrong and absolutely nothing went wrong. I mean, it couldn't, I had 45 minutes of like trying not to push and my baby was right there like she was so ready to come out and they were all like I got I had so many people come by my room afterwards and just be like oh my goodness I can't believe I got to see a breach a vaginal breach birth and I've never seen an unmedicated birth like they had never seen any of this so um my husband was also very he's he's very solid I think that has a, I just was having a coaching call yesterday with a mom and we were talking about men who are solid and men who just sit back. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And I'm not an advocate for hospitals by any means, but if somebody ends up in a hospital, please, men, you need to know what you're talking about. You need to be the front line for your wife. I think they hold a presence that's much greater than our own. Mm -hmm. It is kind of, yeah, they just do. Like nobody wants to mess with him. And he also is a really friendly guy. So he kind of like charms the nurses and he's like, and you're not going to touch my wife. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a, a note on that for all of the women I used, I started on my doula career only, you know, being in the hospital. Cause I thought mm -hmm. as a doula, I'm going to protect women, right? Yeah. <laughs> like if I can save one woman, yeah. obviously yeah. I've morphed because now I, I don't <laughs> attend hospital births at all. Um, but what I did see is when I helped equip the dad, like the, the birth as a whole went so much better when yes. he felt confident and the wife felt confident in the husband's ability to advocate for her. She didn't allow the doctor to come in as that authority, right? Isn't that what happens is like, you have the wife here and you have this doctor who's like, I'm going to tell your wife what to do. And the husband's over here like, okay, but that feels weird, <laughs> you know? And they don't understand. And they're like, do I allow this or do I not? And yeah. I, I came in, I was like, you are more than allowed to say, yeah. do not do this. This is what my wife wants step away. You know, I, 
I think just encouraging that was so powerful. So I love that that was brought up in your coaching call. It's so important. That's huge. That really is. And then men struggle with it afterwards because did the doctor save their wife or yeah, the doctor abuse their wife? Like they don't even, it feels better to believe that he saved their wife because then they don't feel guilty like for they not yeah. being there to protect. Yeah. So then they start believing this lie that like they saved my wife and then they want the mom to, you know, go and have another hospital birth. And the mom's like, no, I was yeah. abused. Yeah. That was a huge thing when I was processing my first birth. I wrote it out and I read it to my husband and I didn't realize how much forgiveness I had to give to him because I was very hurt, you know, and he didn't realize how I had felt in that moment where I was like, where were you? Like, what? why didn't you save me? You know? And oh my goodness, the, the healing that has come in our marriage when we were able to work through that together has been powerful because again we can bring that through every area of our life you know like it doesn't just start with birth or stop with birth the lessons we learn here can be brought through our whole life so I just had another thought um as you were talking you know being a Christian I think some women have a really hard time being a rebel and Uh, I don't know if you see this or not but I think there's there's rebel in me that I'm like, nobody's going to tell me what to do. And that's like a built-in thing where it has to constantly be, you know, pushed down like, Hey Lord, tell me what to do. You can tell me what to do, you know, but could you speak to the woman who is like, Oh, that, that doesn't sound quite right. Like, is it okay to rebel against authority? Um, I mean, we saw that all of what 2020, 2021 is Christians oh, yeah. bowing down and saying, absolutely, you need to follow authority. And if they're seeing the doctor as the authority, then what? You know? Right. And right. so can you talk a little bit about yeah. Christian rebelism? Is that a thing? I'm I'm going to trademark that. Christian rebelism. <laughs> I have this note on my phone that's like all the women in the Bible who like disobeyed, right? Like they they disobeyed. They did what they weren't supposed to do for a purpose that actually was greater. And that's what it's about. It's about the purpose that is greater. Mm-hmm. It's not about this thing right here. It's actually about what God's actually called you to do. So we even have, um, is it Tamar? Mm-hmm. Yes. Tamar actually seduces her father yeah. in law yeah. because she's supposed to have, she's supposed to have a child and to pass on her family line. And he, her husband has died and she's supposed to get one of the brothers and for time, you know, it's a, it's a long story. You can go read it, but time and time again, she's unable to have children with these men because, because of their inability for, to her. So she goes and dresses like a prostitute, which let's just be honest. She knew she was ovulating, right? Like this is a very strategic move. Wow. Yeah. Men would have known she dresses like a prostitute. She goes to where her father-in-law is going to be passing. She seduces him. He comes in and has sex with her and she has a child and God says that she is blessed because she, when, when what was supposed to happen didn't happen. And so she made it happen. God, God says that that was okay, which is kind of a horrifying thing to be like, what? Like, are you kidding? Yeah. But she also didn't have options. And in that time, women had, they had no voice, they had nothing. So she took what, what she had 
and she used it. And I'm not saying anybody should go out and do that, but I'm <laughs> from a biblical perspective, you can take what you have and whatever God has given you, and that's your priority, you need to take care of it. So like, God has called me to be a mother. He's given me children. They are my priority. I will choose to do what is best for them way before I believe, listen to anybody else, any other authority. And you actually aren't an authority over me. You only say that you're an authority over me. I don't actually have a relationship with you. There isn't that connection. Just because you say you are doesn't mean that you are. So we get that really messed up, right? Like that's very messed up. And we have like, give, you know, pay taxes to Caesar. Yeah, pay your taxes, all those type of things. But at the same time, how much rebellion is in the Bible? So mm -hmm. much rebellion. But the, so, so the pay taxes to Caesar, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Yep. I, I had always heard, you know, okay, well, he said like, what's on the money? It's Caesar's. Mm -hmm. So what is yeah. on me? What is this? This God. is God. I am God. So I don't need to give that to anybody else. I love and that. that was so freeing to me. And where the spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. Amen. Yeah. And so it's mm -hmm. like the spirit of the Lord is in me. I am free to make decisions that honor him. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to do. And I just thought of another story. Think of the midwives, right? Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> the Egyptian midwives who were told yeah. to murder babies. Yep. And they said no. And they right. disobeyed. And God honored them and protected them. And then they lied about it. And we they, say, yeah. you know, all liars have a pit, you know, have a, have a place in hell. You know, like we have, mm. we say things like that. And then God actually blessed what they did. In fact, he goes, they, they didn't have children. And after they do this, it says God blessed them. And these midwives who were maidens at the time, they go on to have children, which was the biggest blessing for at that time. Like if you were fertile and, and your home grows, it was the biggest blessing. And so they were totally blessed by that. Yeah, we have all these women who take what God has given them and they and they do what has to be done. And so I see that very much in my family. Like I will do what has to be done. We have foster children. I'm like in a weird place of like yeah. in the system and I'm not in the system at all. Mm -hmm. And I can't say all the ways that works, but I will tell you that God has called me to do what I have to do to protect these children. And and I also am fully relying on him in all the places that I can't. And we, we need to step up and be more available to God mm -hmm. instead of so passive. And, um, yeah, it, it's just, it, it's, it's being passive. I feel like there's another word that was coming to me, but now it's, yeah, it's, it's, no, yeah. that's powerful. And I, I just hope there's women out there listening who are like, man, I want I don't know. I want that. Like, I want to be free. And yes. I just want to declare right now, you are free. You Amen. are free in the name of Jesus. Like you have access to that freedom. And what more of a time to express that freedom than in pregnancy and birth, right? Yes. It's such a beautiful time. Yes. So um, as we close out, is there anything that you like one thing you just want to leave my listeners with one piece of advice or just if you want them to know something, what, what could that be? Well, I don't know if this is the final thing, but I was really thinking it earlier and I was like totally rethinking this course I'm building is like, I, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm just having this aha moment of like, I need to market this to men and women because I'm even thinking in the free birth world the reasons women usually transfer in a free birth is because their husband got scared mm. and 
called 911 and the woman was okay. So that's just an aside, but I just was like, oh my goodness, it's all hitting me that like, it actually isn't just about the woman's mental fortitude. It's actually about the husband as well. And if they can't be a team and do this together, maybe, maybe he shouldn't be there. I know women who have chosen that, but if they're both going to be there present, they need to be on the same page in that. Um, last thing that I would give women. I don't know. That's a big question. It what is a big question. Women? What's your heart message? What do, what does every woman need to know when it comes to birth? I just wish that they could take that, that ownership, that complete ownership mm. of it. And I know, I feel like that's just re-saying what I'm already saying, but I just don't see women taking ownership of, and maybe this is of their life in general. Maybe this is it. I mean, we play the blame game. We whine and cry about our kids. We, this isn't right. That isn't right. I have to end my day with a glass of wine just to be okay. We don't take ownership of our lives in general. Society, we have the world, I mean, our society has created this, right? And we have allowed it. And so it's almost like an, it's, there's like an entitlement, but it's also just like a complete like failure to be like, own your life. Like God has given this to you. And we'll talk about like stewardship and stuff like that in the church. And then people won't even steward their own kitchen, right? Like they can't even, <laughs> yeah. can't even do that. And so like, what would it look like just to take ownership of what God has given you? I feel like people always, they think I have some magic. I don't know if you get this. They'll be like, well, I don't, I just don't know how you do it all. Oh and my I gosh. Yes. Who will say like, I, I just, I like, I want to pick your mind. I want to ask you about this. And I want to ask you about that. I'm like, I have, like, I have, I have no magic other than I own my life. This is mine. I'm not sitting around and like waiting for somebody else to do it. Like I literally tell myself, and I'm not even joking about this. I'm like, well, there's nobody else that's going to clean that toilet, Audrey. You better clean it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, okay. I got it. I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. like, if we would start owning our lives in general, maybe stepping in and owning, owning our pregnancy and owning our births would feel like this more natural thing. Even owning our marriages. Women get married and they don't even, they don't own their marriage. Everything is just kind of like there. Yeah. And so it's this intentional way of living, I guess, that I'm like, it's, it's like nothing, but it's everything. Cause it, yeah. it's, it's a perspective and it's a way of doing life. And I don't know how to impart it other than be like, just, just do it. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's there. I mean, part of that is showing them what is possible. Like, yeah. you know, when people say like, oh, I don't know how you do it all. I mean, I get that all the time, which sounds so weird. And like, I don't know. I don't do it all. That's the thing. Like, I'm not doing it all. What I'm doing is just what God has given me to do because I have been to the place where I've done things that God's like, no, that's not yours to do. And I break down. And yes. I don't think that's how we should be living. We should be living. He gives it to us. We steward it. And yes. it's a constant flow. And yes. I I don't know how to teach that other than this is what's possible. This is the freedom that can come. And this is how I do it. Like, this is just my thoughts, yes. my perspectives. I don't know. Lord, give us wisdom on that because that's, yes. you know, really it, it's life changing. Once you own that, once you realize that and come to that. Oh man, Audrey, I, yeah, 
This was such a powerful conversation. I am like going to be lit up the rest of the day, just like thinking about this. Oh man. So thank you so much. Where can people find you? Where can people, when will your course be available? Tell us all the things. I hope it'll be, I hope it'll be good in like two weeks, but having like a chunk of time to wrap it all up. Um, so hopefully, hopefully in the next few weeks, the course will be available and I'm going to have to go ahead through and edit some stuff because I got to include those dads. Um, but you can find me at a joyful birth on Instagram or a joyful birth.org is my website. So come find me there. I've got lots of great information and reels. And I know that's how we all learn nowadays. So mm-hmm. come and saturate yourself in it and learn. And I do a lot of coaching. I do birth trauma debriefing. I do free birth coaching or birth preparation coaching. And then I also do mental fortitude. Um, or we can wrap it all in one, whatever, whatever a mama needs. So you can find all of that on my Instagram page or my website. That is awesome. I'll put all of those links below. Thank you so much for spending time with me today and for imparting your wisdom on my audience. I so appreciate it. It was such a joy. Thank you. Did that episode pump you up as much as it did me? (laughs) Make sure you check out the show notes, connect with Audrey, find more information about her mental fortitude course, And if you are ready to take full ownership of your birth and work through your trauma, you have a very limited time to sign up for the four-week birth trauma intensive. It starts October. Make sure you click the link in the show notes and reserve your spot today. This is going to be a powerful time, and I fully, fully expect the Holy Spirit to show up and do some amazing things in and through this group of women. The doors close on September 30th, so get in while you can. And until next time, peace be with you.